if I try to do, you know, build social snowball and also start an agency on the side and also do consulting and this and that, like I would fail at everything. And, and this is what happened to me many times over and over again when I was starting out. All right, folks, we got a banger for you today. Episode 40, the affiliate aficionado, Noah Tucker, the young gun coming in. Noah, how are you? Amazing. Thank you for having me, Rava. Oh, of course, of course. And so I'm actually in a different setting. I still am in Austin. I'm not at Marketing HQ. I had a, some car troubles, so I actually had to do the pod from home today, but I still am in Austin. Where does this podcast find you? This is finding me actually in London. I'm at an Airbnb right now, uh, traveling around Europe a little bit. Yeah. Oh, wow. The international yep. man of mystery. You're living the life, <laughs> man. You're like, that's incredible. That's cool. You originally, where are you home based out of though? LA? So I, yeah, I was in LA when we first connected. The lease there actually just ended. So I'm, uh, I sold like everything I own literally except for two suitcases. And now I'm in Europe for the time being. Um, but Seriously? LA was, yeah, LA was just, uh, LA was only a spot for a year. Prior to that, I was living in Miami. And then I originally grew up like with my family and went, you know, high school and everything was uh, in New Jersey, actually. Oh, wow. So you yeah. went coast, south, and then coast. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Very cool, man. That's awesome. What's on the list for uh, the travels? So you're um, in London. Where are you going to go next? Yeah, London. I mean, I'm not sure. Europe, honestly, is like, I, I feel like at home whenever I'm in Europe, but like, I, I definitely want to see a lot of areas that I haven't been to yet. So um, Amsterdam is definitely on the list. Um, yep. Some of my favorite places that I've already been is like Barcelona, uh, Lisbon. Yep. So yep. honestly, just uh, taking it day by day, keeping the schedule open, we'll see. I love it. Tommy, our uh, head of social is actually in Barcelona right now. I saw that. I saw that. We'll yeah, have to yeah. For sure. Look at you guys living your best life. Amazing. So what did you, you started Social Snowball and we'll get to that in the value add segment, but how, tell me how that like came about. Like, how did you want to start a company? Cause you're, you're fairly young. What are you, you're mid twenties, late twenties, yeah, 23, 23 early twenties then super, super young. And so you started your company, you're traveling the world. Like how did you, uh, you know, work into this place of, this is super what most people want to do with their life, especially in the early twenties. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, so for a, a very long time, and I mean, I say very long, I mean like five years, but for my lifetime, a very long time, um, leading up to building Social Snowball, I was still kind of involved in the e-commerce world, but on the merchant side. Um, yep. So literally right after I graduated high school, like that summer before I went to my uh, freshman year at University of Miami, I uh, literally just discovered Shopify. Like I had a friend who was building stores and drop shipping, and he was like showing me how he had it set up. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. Um, you know, at the time I was trying to make money, but I hadn't heard of any sort of online business. So I was just working on a fishing boat, like slaving away 13 hour shifts um, and making like a couple hundred bucks a day, which was great. But this, you know, this friend of mine who was um, building these stores and just like using organic marketing techniques to get uh, traffic was ma also making a couple hundred bucks a day. And I was like, wow, if I could do this, like I'll quit my fishing job and I will do this full time. This is, this looks so fun. And I've always been like, a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit like i've been like you know selling things on ebay and like you know when i was super young i would like draw things and sell it to my parents like it's always definitely been in my blood but i never <laughs> had like the opportunity to turn it into anything real uh, until i discovered like building stores on shopify so started building stores um you know was kind of just playing around with organic traffic methods um, was building ambassador programs, which is kind of how I started dipping my feet into affiliate. Um, but I was, you know, building ambassador programs, doing things very manually, DMing people, trying to give them discount codes for them to share with their friends. Like very time consuming, very not efficient. Um, but I did that for, you know, like a year. Um, you know, went to school at U Miami, um, discovered yep. Facebook ads, um, started building more stores, started to get a little more advanced in the marketing techniques I was using. Um, and things, and I, you know, I started to make money at some point. You know, some point in my freshman year at U Miami, I like, had a month where I had a store that did like $30,000 and maybe like 10K in profit. And you know, at the time I was like, what, like 17 years old. I, you know, I was, I was the shit. I was buying everyone yeah. numbers. I was like buying the drinks. I was like, you know, a freshman in college. So Nuts. it was, it was like really, really an exciting time. Um, and then I kind of just got hooked on it. You know, once I got a taste of success, I was like, okay, this is really cool. This is what I want to do. So for the next, you know, I ended up dropping out of school um, after that year. Cause I was like, you know what, like I don't want to pursue what I was studying. Um, yep. or at least not what the degree that I was getting was going to get me. So I was like, you know what, this is, I'm having success with this. I'm making some money. I want to like dive all into this. Um, Love it. so for the next like four years, I stayed in Miami. Um, 
just not in school and I just you know kept refining what I was learning so I got like really heavy into the marketing side of things heavy into media buying um, and I was always you know I was always building affiliate programs for any store that I would build myself or you know I was doing this as a consulting service for other stores down the road too yep. um, affiliate programs you know which were at the time what I was building was more of an ambassador program I want to disclose this is not like the publisher affiliate model this is very like customer and owned audience focused um, so yep. I was always that was always like uh, in my repertoire of what I would add to a store that I was building myself or that I was working with. So, you know, I played with really every single affiliate and referral tool that existed in the Shopify ecosystem at the time. Um, and I never had any intention of getting into the tech side of things. But after like many years of just being frustrated with what existed out there, um, you know, from a lack of functionality perspective, from the outdated interface perspective, from just a lack of automation in general with all the tools that were out there. It, it I, I was very, I just couldn't, I couldn't build the type of program that I wanted to build um, with, with the tech that existed. And I would try to make workarounds for that using like Zapier and connecting it to like yeah, Clavio yeah. And, and forms. And I, and I, I was able to like automate some level of what I wanted to accomplish, but it was obviously not productized and it was not something that could could do everything that I wanted. You know, obviously very limited fun, um, functionality can be created with no code, at least back then, maybe now it's different. Um, yeah. So, you know, after like, you know, four or five years or whatever of dealing with all these outdated tools and being very frustrated myself, I obviously had built up like a decent network of other e-commerce founders and operators by that time. Um, and, you know, I would talk to them and it seemed to be a very unanimous like mindset that everyone was looking for a better affiliate tool. Um, and, you know, after me being so heavily involved in like the customer affiliate space, referral space, um, and hearing from so many other founders that they wanted something better, I was like, wow, like maybe this could be the next step for me. Cause you know, mind you at the time, like I hadn't really built anything super sustainable. You know, a lot of yeah. these were just drop shipping stores and I was just like making money, helping other people with marketing. So it wasn't like I was building anything bigger than myself or anything I was super proud of. So I always knew that I, that like these e-commerce stores I was building was a stepping stone into something else. I just didn't really know what that was going to be. Um, and after just, you know, so many years of dealing with these outdated tools and talking to other founders, it seemed like the perfect idea. So that was kind of the light bulb moment for Social Snowball originally. How cool, man. What a crazy journey. How was, uh, is it, was the fishing boats like the things that, what, what was it, the greatest catch? What's the thing? The oh, Deadliest Catch? Deadliest Catch? No, it actually wasn't. I wish. That would be fun. That would be crazy. No, this was like, this was like, you know, like you and your, your buddies can like grab a pack of beers and like go on a boat and go fishing for the day. You pay like 150 bucks. They give you all the tackle, all the bait. They cut the fish for you. Oh, that, God, I God, was the God. guy baiting your hooks, cutting the fish. Like I was the first, oh, the first mate or whatever on the boat, oh, but it was thir gosh. 13 hour shifts. I'd have to wake up at like before five in the morning. Yeah, I'd have to be at the dock at five in the morning, which is like 20 minute drive from my house. It was exhausting. I mean, fishing is something I still love to this day. So I was like, oh, oh I you do. Okay. I do. Yeah. Fishing is fun. But at the time I was like, oh, I got a job in fishing and then my job will be fun. Turned out after 13 hours of helping other people catch fish, it's not fun. So definitely wasn't that's super, super sustainable. Yeah. That's incredible too, that you had the energy to build while doing that because that's challenging, right? Where it's like, that's where most people get into where you, you, it's just such a time suck when you have this, you know, you got to put food on the table kind of thing. Um, what a cool story, man. That's incredible. How was the U? Good times? Oh, the U was great. Yeah. I mean, I did drop out, so I might sound hypocritical when I'm saying this stuff, but I love University of Miami. I don't regret a second of time being there. It was unbelievably fun. The people I met there to this day are still my best friends. It just, college just wasn't the right path for me. So like I had to, I had to leave, but nothing against you, Miami. I'm a can at heart. Like I still bleed, uh, green and orange. Like it's, it's, uh, it's definitely an amazing school. So like no regrets for going there that year. I'm very happy I did. How fun. I'm actually going to your stomping grounds uh, next next week, two weeks uh, for Geek Out. Well, oh, it'll nice. be in Miami. Yeah, very, yeah. very cool. Very what fun. a crazy cool start. So in this time period, like what is kind of the best, or I guess now, what has been the best and worst advice you've ever received? I mean... I feel like the worst advice I feel, and I mean, this might be different for different people, but I feel like a lot of people have told me, and this is, this is also good advice, but in certain contexts, like, yep, I'm not even sure exactly how to word this, but there's people who do a very good job at doing many things at once. And, yep. you know, people will tell you like, oh, you want to diversify how you're making money, have multiple streams, yada, yada, all that stuff, which is true. But for me, like, you know, right out of high school, like, and even to this day, like 
young and figuring out life and, and you know, not having everything sorted. If I, and I tried to do this and it failed a lot, but it, if I tried to do, you know, build social snowball and also start an agency on the side and also do consulting and this and that, like I would fail at everything. And, and this is yep. what happened to me many times over and over again when I was starting out. So people give that advice of like, oh, you want to diversify, like build, a, build seven streams of income or whatever it is as fast as you can. That's true. And I'm not saying that never do that, but at least for the first like five to 10 years of your career, and maybe it's a little different for everyone. And I know people don't all work the same way, but for me, at least I learned that for me to be successful, I have to go all in on something and Love not diverge whatsoever. And that's what I'm doing right now. And does that mean that I'm never going to buy properties and have another stream of income and, and also maybe start something else on the side after an exit from social snowball, theoretically, for sure. But right now, like, as a more beginner entrepreneur, like it's very important to like be laser, laser, laser focused, obsessed, unhealthy, obsessed on one thing only. Um, and, and like that's, and that would be the best advice that I've received, I'd say is like the other side of that. Cause they're both good advice in different contexts, but for, if you're even starting out, which I don't even know if I would consider myself starting out, I've been like building something for se seven years, but Yep. I, it's still it's still somewhat starting out. I'm not at the point where I can have my hand in like ten pots and be and be productive. I love that, man. I think that is so spot on. One, I love that you touched on context. I think there's so much advice out there that, to your point, is good or bad. But if you don't have the context of what somebody's saying, it, it just gets really weird. And I'm with you too. I I think the superpower is focus. Like I, I, I totally understand kind of where you're coming from too. Like, oh, the more legs on the stool makes a stable stool. Yeah. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. But I'm with you, man. I, I have never been a great multitasker. I've never been able to um, really, because for me, I would just do a bunch of things bad. Yeah, versus exactly. doing one exactly. thing really incredible, and like, it was just really unfulfilling for me. And then. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And to your point, there's different strokes for different folks, but I'm with you, man. I think focus is a superpower and really first get your bag. And then once you get your bag, then I think the diversification can come because you already totally. got your money. Totally, <laughs> you totally. know, you've made your money versus like, You're chilling make your that money with all... yeah, exactly. So I think that's a, so, so well put, man. Um, what resources and kind of frameworks are like, how did you gain your mastery in terms of entrepreneurship business? Was it just by doing, or is there books you read, YouTube videos you watch? Like how, um, how did you gain like all your skill set? I mean, cause really again, you're so young and you, you have like such a great handle, not only on life, but on business, on productivity, you're traveling the world, which is awesome. Where I, personally, I believe that there is unique windows in your life that you'll never get back. And so like, from my point of view, I, I used to, enjoy life, quote unquote, a little too much when I was younger. And I, my, my biggest regret is not going abroad, studying abroad. And of course, now I have money. Now I can go to Europe, and do, but it's different. Like I have a fiance, I have responsibilities. Like it's just such a, so I think it's so smart that you realize there's these unique windows in life that are really well suited to certain experiences that like money can't buy you again. Like you're never going to be 23 again, start, starting your burgeoning company, being able to experience the world with these, these, the, the certain viewpoints. So how did you, I mean, I guess the too long didn't read is I'm jealous and I'm, how you became so wise at such a young age. I'm definitely not wise. I'm definitely not wise. I, I have a few things figured out that maybe other people my age don't, but everything else I'm a mess for sure. I mean, I'm definitely, I wouldn't call myself wise. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like for me, I mean, to, I guess to answer your first question, like how did I like learn most of this stuff? I'm definitely a trial and error guy. Like, I can't, like, I can't believe anything until it fails. For, like, I can't believe something won't work until it fails for me and I, like, reap the consequences of it failing. So even though, like, people will tell me things, I, I'm just too much of a, a trial and error guy. That's, like, I need to see things work and fail. And, like, that's how I can make my decisions. Like, very, I guess, kind of a data-driven approach. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've definitely read some, you know, books, some more, like, mindset stuff, some more tactical stuff. Um, probably helpful, for sure. But in everything that I've done... Um, you know, I'm social snowball, like, you know, I'm still learning as I go, of course, like, you know, we've, we've definitely yeah, came yeah. a decent way, but like, it's very much learning as I go. And, you know, I, I try things and I talk to as many people as I can and I ask as many questions as I possibly can. And I learn from them and I try, you know, I make my, the best decisions I can. I see what works, I see what doesn't, and then I make better decisions moving forward. That's like, you know, kind of an ongoing process of life more than just business. Um, and then I guess your second question, I mean, 
I don't know. I just love traveling. Like I, I don't see, yeah. like, I don't see myself stopping traveling at any point in my life. Maybe that. I'm naive to say that most likely I am. Um, but I mean, traveling is just like so important and fun to me. Like if, if I'm in any place and this is why I'm not even like, I, I had my lease in LA and I was probably in the apartment for like, like six to seven months out of, out of the year lease. So it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, wasting money i you know i want to be in europe it's 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 fun here right now so um i don't know i just love traveling so i don't see that stopping at any point in my life but maybe maybe that's a you know maybe it is a window and i'm just get taking advantage of it and then it, it won't be a thing down the road no i love that but i think that's what my kind of my thesis is like that naivety 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 i don't know how the fuck you say that but anyways that like that mindset is like it's impossible to cultivate especially to like there's that old line, like once your mind expands, it can never contract again. Like mm. you have these like ills of the world that you haven't experienced yet. Like you don't have these kind of like huge responsibilities that you don't yeah. have the wifey yet. You don't have a kid. You don't have all these things that like are, you know, seismic shifts in your psyche. And so I'm just so happy that you're experiencing all that. It's super awesome, man. See, so I'm living vicariously through you. Send, send pics. <laughs> um the yeah I, I love that it threw me off the next question so let's do one more for the main segment what's the nicest thing someone's done for you oh wow um i just ah that is a tough one that is a tough one i mean everyone in my life is incredible and supportive in every way um i mean my parents from when i was a kid they've always like helped me become entrepreneurial and never said like no to any of my wildest ideas like my girlfriend now is like extremely supportive and when I'm having like a breakdown because everything is going wrong with, with social <laughs> snowball she'll like be like you're fine and like help me uh oh man that is really a hard question to pinpoint one thing I, I really have been blessed with having amazing people in my life I, I don't know if I could I don't know if I can give you like some amazing magical one moment on the spot like this but uh, it's it's not something well, I'm upset about. We'll give the, the girlfriend and the parent points. We'll we'll, we'll leave it at that. So those are great answers. It's fantastic. I, I love that you've cultivated such a, a healthy ecosystem around you to support your journey. Um, you made it to the value add segment. Let's go now. Let's, Let's go. go. Killing it. Okay, so we've been talking about social snowball a lot. For, for people that don't know, kind of give us the elevator pitch and then tell us why affiliate marketing is so important. Totally. So Social Snowball, we're an affiliate marketing platform for direct-to-consumer brands that focuses on converting your customers and owned audiences into affiliates. So slightly different than the more traditional affiliate model focused more on publishers and influencers. Social Snowball's goal is to democratize affiliation and make it so that everyone and anyone is an affiliate. On the product side, that looks like automating, turning customers into affiliates right when they purchase, um, you know, a thank you page widget, giving them all their referral information, discount code, reward info, tracking info, etc., um, as well as follow-up touch points that could be customized through integrations, SMS, email, you know, integrated with Klaviyo, PostScript, et cetera. Um, it also means making payouts democratized, meaning that commission payouts don't have to be PayPal only with a minimum payout threshold of like 30 bucks. The average, you know, friend and family customer re referral is going to be referring one or two friends, making 10 bucks. We need to make payouts easy to send at a mass scale. We need to make them very easy um, and dynamic to redeem. And Social Snowball does all of that from within the product. And beyond that, it's just a very smooth, fun platform to use. It's not like annoying and outdated like a lot of our competitors. It's yeah. it's new. It's for the modern D2C brand. Um, yeah, that's that's the elevator pitch. <laughs> I love it. Do you guys sit on anything other than Shopify or are you exclusive to Shopify or everything? Just Shopify right now. We're definitely yep. going to be yep. expanding to other platforms. But Shopify ecosystem is my bread and butter. So it's where yep. we started. Um, but we will be expanding for sure. Yeah, I love that. And then the... You kind of talked about this a little bit in the previous segment, but kind of the aha moment was you were doing all this manually, right? And yeah. you're just like, dude, there has to be a better way. And was that kind of the impetus for social snowball? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I was yeah. literally from that first store I built right out of high school, not even in college yet. Like, what is this, six, seven years ago now? Um, I was, yeah, I was literally manually um, creating discount codes for people to share, like ambassador codes for people to share with their friends. And then I'd create them an another discount code for them to purchase themselves. And I would make it in Shopify and then DM it to them on Instagram, like fully manually. Um, so like that was like my first ever e-commerce experience. And then it obviously developed into something a little bit more built out as I started learning more and more. Um, but it was never, I was never able, able to build out exactly what I wanted um, because of the lack of tech that was out there. So that was like essentially the, uh, the catalyst for the idea. I love that. How big is your team right now? Uh, we're seven. 
Oh, wow. You're growing quick. What was your first hire? Um, so I, so this is, yeah, the way, the way social snowball, um, you know, started was definitely not the traditional way a startup begins simply because I didn't know what I was doing and, <laughs> and I just wanted to make an app. So I started by hiring an agency and, I, and this is not my first hire, but I'm kind of like yeah. showing Get how we got there. But yeah, yeah, I started by hiring an agency. Um, that was going to do like a done for you, UI, UX, fun, all the functionality and like website, everything for like a flat rate, um, which they told me it would take three months. It turned into an absolute hell of 15 months before I terminated oh the contract gosh. early. Yeah, I, I still terminated the contract early because the, we didn't even have an MVP ready for the shop, like to be approved by Shopify at that point. Um, and then I made my first hire right after that, which was a very senior freelance engineer um, who came in. Um, he, he's, he'd like been working at Yahoo or something like this guy was like some super, super senior engineer. He came in um fixed like every bug we had within like a week we were able to submit to the Shopify app and get approved so that was my first ever hire he's actually no longer working with us but um he, he was the first freelance hire that we made amazing yeah that's awesome how do you manage your team remotely do you guys have like a you guys use slack or asana oh, yeah. or like yeah, okay. yeah we use slack your... I'm, we don't use asana i'm actually a huge ClickUp guy now super bullish on ClickUp. Oh, interesting i'm yeah. super bullish on ClickUp. i've been like a ClickUp fiend for the past two months ever since i like migrated things over but we have now asana notion they literally built all of notion inside of ClickUp. like all the slash commands and every fun thing that they have in notion exists yep. inside ClickUp, so you can organize it into like the different spaces that different team members are a part of it. You could like you could attach like tasks to them, and there's all these like fancy functionalities. It's very nice to have like everything organization organizational in one place. And I mean, ClickUp slogan. I feel like I'm in I'm advertising for them right now, but their slogan is one app to replace them all, which I didn't yep. fully understand the value of that until I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna sign up. I was sitting at the airport one day, bored, didn't have anything to do. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna sign up for ClickUp and see if they could hook me. And I'm paying them now, so they're doing something right. And I feel like every day I learn a new functionality that they have um interesting and it's great. i use it for like my person i don't have any like written down i used to have like my own personal like to do's and stuff everything yep. migrated to click up like everything i love that yeah. i love that so i'm a big notion guy we use asana right now but aj wants to move back and it's funny we we i'm a big big notion guy and i did all my mm -hmm. stuff in notion and then aj was like we're gonna use asana and then so we use uh so slacks are internal comms gmails are external comms um, Asana is our project task management and then Notion is kind of like our archival stuff. And then, yep. uh, Google drive is like our, uh, you know, hard drive where we just store stuff and then yep. link it to it. But AJ is really starting to rub against, he hates living in two worlds. So we might migrate all the way into Notion, but it sounds like that's kind of what you did with ClickUp where yeah. you, now you're just living in one house. That's exactly. cool, man. Exactly. I love yeah. that. Definitely like give it a try or take a demo or something. The functionality that, I mean, still to this day, it's been like. I think almost three months now since I migrated everything over and I still discover new features and new views and ways to organize things like almost every day. Um, so if I, you guys might even want to hire, cause you guys have a, a pretty big team. You guys might even want to hire. Yep. There's like click up experts that can implementation like, experts yeah, or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. That could be worth it, worth the time for you. Yeah. I love that. Huh? I'll have to put that on the list. Um, how do you plan your day? Like, how do you structure your day? Are you pretty scheduled out or do you kind of just wake up and then put out fires and work on what you want to work on? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's, it's something that I'm still like working on optimizing for sure. Um, I noticed that like in the morning, sometimes I could be like overly emotional and not making rational decisions. So I try to like not read any Slack messages too quickly because I will yeah. like either get mad at someone or like throw some fire throw some, yeah like it's just <laughs> usually never and then like two hours later i read it back and i'm like what the hell was i thinking like i need to stop reading slack in bed like it's always a, it's always a bad idea um so basically i mean yeah i'll like try to start the day like not replying to any message first like i'll just like look through what my to-dos are like kind of like grab myself a little bit um and I usually it's usually um calls in the morning so i'll usually okay. have like pretty much back-to-back -back calls um, until like two, 3 PM, I try to like block out the evenings a little more to work. Now that I'm going to be in Europe, I'm going to do it reverse because the Eastern and Pacific time workdays don't start until around like, like early evening here or afternoon. Yep. Um, so I'm going to use the mornings to have like my focus work, no interruptions, no calls whatsoever. And I'm going to work in the mornings and I'm going to be doing the double shift at night, taking calls until like 10, 11 PM. 
So that's like what I'm going to be trying now, but I'm still going to do like one or two days a week where it's a no call day where I could just have focus work because I believe that's important. I, I, I caught myself recently um, not being able to get anything done because I would take, let, let people book on my calendar every day of the week. And it was a disaster. And I was like, really like my to do's, like what I had to do, like my tasks were not ever getting checked off because I would wake up, you know, from nine to whatever, five, 6 p.m. I'd have calls pretty much nonstop with only like 30 minute to 15 minute gaps in between where, where I couldn't ever lock into anything. And then I'm like starting to get my work done at like 7 p.m. And then it's like 9 p.m. and I'm tired and I'm like not even fully focused. And I was like, okay, something needs to change here. So that's why I'm like starting to block off whole days as well. I might try and do that. That is something that I've been really missing is kind of some deep work days where uh, I'm like on from like 8 a.m. So I have like leadership meetings and then it rolls into calls and I have a podcast and like and you get into these like almost useless time chunks, right? Like yeah. They're almost like mental yes. masturbation where it's like there's just there's just Nothing. no way that I can actually do anything productive no. outside of like executive work or like yeah. admin work, you know, where it's just busy yeah. work, replying email or something. Just like, like replying, that. yeah, exactly. Like fruitful. It's yeah. just gross. Yeah. Totally. Agree. That's interesting. Totally I might I might block off i might try a little day block off i love that um how do you see the next two to three years of e-commerce unfolding that's a that's a really great great question i'd see like one trend that i would say is going nowhere is paid acquisition becoming more expensive and more difficult to track you guys solve a huge piece of that problem but the the cost part of it like you know the attribution is one huge problem which you guys are doing an insane job solving but the cost is still like not really changing um it's i i I used to always talk about this. There's a really cool graph that I could find in mind. Maybe, I don't know if you guys can like do like pop-up edit over this, but it showed like the percentage growth rate of users joining Facebook and Instagram, like post merge, users joining Facebook and Instagram compared to like um, advertisers joining slot or spend percentage growth. And it was crazy because like it literally was so consistent, like the user growth com- and which is really like impression availability. Yep compared yep. to the um, advertisers it was always like a roughly straight line like this and then in like 2017 or something it just fully switched and like has not changed and like that's yep. just the, the the way it is like digital advertising is becoming more and more popular every mom and pop shop is going to be, be spending something so i see that becoming more and more of a problem and we see a lot of cool solutions social snowball included um coming up to help combat that in a way and to give merchants alternate um customer acquisition channels and you know these are like this these are a lot of the startups and like the e-com SaaS space that have all the talk right now another great example is um they co-op changed their name to something else co-op commerce do you know what i'm talking about uh, yes but i can't recall what the uh, name changes but i'm, I'm tracking what you're talking about I'll find it in two seconds co-op it's like it's something cooler i'm actually i like like the name change disco that's what it is disc yes disco. So that's like another cool way for merchants to acquire customers without like the traditional paid ads. Obviously, there's a lot of tried and true methods. And like, you know, obviously, you know, this is why loyalty and retention are extremely popular areas of conversation right now as well. But acquisition is still an important as it's still a very important part of of an e-commerce model. So I see there being a lot of new channels coming up, like turning customers into affiliates, like having, um, you know, post-purchase share offers or whatever it is that disco does stuff like that i see like a lot of new startups popping up um tackling the problem of customer acquisition costs um i that's like a trend that i don't see going anywhere at all especially over the next like two three years yeah i think you're spot on with that and i think that um kind of why social snowball is so well positioned is i think there's also an aspect of um, not only that acquisition vector but also building this kind of pseudo community, like being able to, there's nothing better than like your friend turning you on to something. And then if you can incentivize them in a really easy manner, because I tell people about stuff all the time, but I'm super lazy. Like if they don't have social snowball, I got like apply to this affiliate program. I got to wait on the application. Yeah. You got to get a code. You got like, it's just too much. I'm like, dude, for like seven bucks, forget it. But if it was just like, Hey, here's a link that I can just toss you. Like after I buy the product, like, dude, no, check this out. It's so awesome. We're, um, I think not only is that acquisition loop better, but you can also build evangelists quicker. And so that's one thing that I think people are sleeping on as community. And we kind of talked about this offline and then on, yeah. a little bit on your podcast, but I think people are sleeping on community. I think community is something that is kind of like was the old thing, but now is new again, where it's just being able to connect with your consumers and then 
giving them a church to worship at, I think is really uh, the path where we, we have almost 900 people in our Narwhal nation. That's like our exclusive Slack group. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been great for everybody. And we basically kind of the inmates run the asylum where it's like just people in there throwing slang and stuff around. And so I think that's something that um, a lot of people are going to realize that it's really, if you can put some resources into it, it just pays you back in spades. Oh my God, totally. And I mean, the retention from members of the community is always going to be way higher. Um, they're, you know, they're going to be less likely to maybe leave a negative review if they could get a problem solved from another community member. People trust, exactly. you know, people always so have issues trusting a brand, like the brand itself, like a customer support person that they're talking to, but a community member that could solve the same problem because they've been shopping from you guys for two years and they know the answer to your question within the Facebook group. Like, it, it's it's proactive customer support. It's better retention in LTV. It's solving a lot of problems in once and referrals, of course. Like and and the LTV yep. um, of referral acquisitions are always are tr- mostly a lot higher than like paid acquisitions. So there's really no downside to to investing and in, in building community for sure. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and you kind of touched on this. But we'll ask you again. What's one thing people are in the e-commerce community aren't talking about and should be? Like what's hmm. something on flying under the radar besides community, I guess? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, honestly, I, I, you know, just because this is like really where my mind is always thinking like customer affiliates is like so, such an important thing. And I mean, I yeah. see so many brands neglect and we, you know, we could make this a wider umbrella. We could call it referrals. We call it ambassadors, whatever you want. Like, yep. Just neglecting um getting referrals from customers is really leaving money on the table like significant and i think a lot of people will like set up a loyalty program and then like activate the referral feature and see it only generate like 0.2 percent of their top line and they'll get discouraged but there's like i mean not just social snowball there's a lot of tech that you can use that can really make it a a significant revenue driver maybe when it's 0.2 percent of your gmv you're not batting an eye but what if it was eight percent or ten percent like then it's really significant revenue in customer acquisition. So brands, I think like they just, you know, maybe dip their toes in referrals and customer affiliates with like some sort of loyalty product they're using. They see it like not perform very well and they just like kind of are like, oh, whatever. It's like free extra revenue. I won't put that much thought into it. But when you like really build things correctly and use a tool like Social Snowball that's automating a lot of things and makes it more hands off you and you're integrating into your retention channels and you have touch points where you're speaking to your customers and you're getting creative with the marketing and the rewards and how you're setting up commissions and tiers and you really build something out properly like you are your other marketing channels that are only turning on you and getting more expensive the return you get from it is is really significant and like the brands that we've helped this you know, transition from like a very like scrappy and not well thought out loyalty referral program to like a proper customer affiliate program deeply integrated into their retention channels the difference is astronomical and it makes it from brands not caring about it to significantly caring about it so like yeah. as paid ads you know like we were talking about before continue to get more and more expensive brands are going to have to start focusing more on these types of things totally agree man I, that's so well put okay one last question for the value add segment what's been the best parts and hardest parts of running social snowball best parts are just seeing like the brands that we help i don't i i know this might sound cliche but it's really fun it's like really cool like the fact that like, you know, myself and my team built something and brands are using it and they're generating a lot more revenue than what they were used to from a very similar product. Like that is like awesome. Like people are hyped about it and they're sharing it. And like, you know, I get on demo calls and someone's like, oh, like this person from this brand that I've never even heard of, like told me about it. And I'm like, wow, like people are really liking what we're doing. So like, that's like always really fun and rewarding. Like after a demo call where someone tells me something like that, like the rest of the day, I have a smile on my face. That's been like the most fun part of it. The hardest part I would say is like anything human resources or building a team. It's just a learning experience for me. So I made a lot of novice mistakes that maybe could have been avoided with the right resources or mentor, but it's just because I didn't know what I was doing that like I, like even something as simple as like hiring an agency to build the MVP, like most successful startups don't start that way because that's just like not what usually works. Like people find a tech, like if a marketing brain like me wants to build a startup, you find a technical co-founder and you yeah. go through like a Y Combinator or maybe do something a little more traditional. And I just really didn't even know what was out there at the time. Um, so I would say like hiring, building a team, um, the, the whole like managing the tech side of things, cause I'm not technical whatsoever, but I have become 
very much so a product manager in, in the early yeah. days of social snowball. So like learning all of that, you know, there's a decent learning curve as well. Um, I would say like everything in that regard has been like the hardest part for me for sure. Yeah. But look at you now. Click up connoisseur. We got click you, up. You, click up changed it done, everything. Baby. Click up changed everything. Done. Exactly. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And I find too, like uh, when you do start using like things like click up and stuff like that, it's harder to be lazy. And I don't mean that lazy in the sense of like getting stuff done, but I mean intellectually lazy where um, that's why technical people are very good at like, if you give them a task, like this isn't a task, dude, this is like an idea. Like you need to be like, yes, here's yes. what I need. Totally, and you totally. start to understand like, oh, I get it. Now I understand what you're saying. Like, here's what I want. Here's what needs to be done. Here's how to do that, blah, blah, blah. And you, like the asks become way more structured and there's actual tangible action items in it. And like, agendas and things like that and it sounds gross and like all these weird terms but at the same time like at the end of the day that's how you're running your business and so you need to be structured and time is really expensive especially when you're paying engineers and when you're paying like these high level people it's like that that's stuff you can't get back so having that um really dialed in at such a, a young age of the company is really super spot on man i love that totally all right you ready for the rapid fire Let's do it. All right, Noah, here we go, here we go. Okay, overrated, underrated, Tesla. Under. Underrated, all right. It was my first ever car, my dream car. I'm obsessed with Tesla, like, I think. I saw that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you you like the electric cars. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, I just like Tesla, I don't know. I mean, EVs are great. I'm very into like the environment, but Tesla is just the most fun thing I've ever sat in. Yeah, I love it. You see, he's buying Twitter as well. What a what a yes. savage! Savage. Uh, Paris, overrated, underrated. I've only been there for six hours, but I'm going to say over just because people were so rude to me. They're so rude, right? You were in there for six hours. How'd you get the cool? You got that cool Eiffel Tower pick with the, in six, six hours. Six hours. Six hours. Shit! You yeah, it was a, it was a, like an eighteen Jesus. hour layover. So we just like Ubered to the city for a bit and then Ubered back to the airport. Oh my god, that gives me so much anxiety. I love that. I usually do like a lounge or something. I need to. I need to. We we did the lounge my for the other ten hours of waiting. <laughs> I love it. This is kind of a softball, but we'll give it to you. Affiliate programs, overrated, underrated. Come on, under, under. Especially customer of affiliate programs, publisher yeah, affiliate programs. People have pretty figured out. Yeah, I love that. Um, the Saint Regis Dubai, overrated, underrated. Under that place was amazing amazing the only yeah. thing that's your pool overrated, picture was crazy yeah that whole like pool top that i have with like an infinity looking over to buy you have to pay extra to go there it's not part of like no. the already expensive bill that you're getting for staying at that hotel seriously just to go just to walk in but yeah it's like uh, i don't even remember it wasn't anything crazy maybe like 50 or 100 bucks but still like that's we we're already yeah. paying x amount for the room exactly which is nuts and then exactly. you have to pay another hundred on top of it yeah did you like dubai Yes, very much so. Very, very yeah, much yeah. so. It's an amazing yeah. city. Yeah, incredible. Uh, Shopify, overrated or underrated? Under, come on. They're the go. Yeah. They're, they're what's yeah. employing everyone, everyone that we know. I know, fair point, fair play. Um, NFTs, overrated or underrated? I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under. And I, and I might have had a different answer not that long ago, but recently I, I've been shifting my mind into thinking like, what can the future be like with NFTs? And I just see like, a lot of really cool possibilities possibilities if you think of like things that are very manual and time consuming and require labor now that like could be replaced with just like verifying things with like tapping something or like clicking something or whatever my brain has kind of started to run wild with ideas and i'm like wow like right now they're cool profile pictures but i could see a future where it does make our lives a lot more frictionless which seems to be like the trend of things successful so i i, I think uh i think there's a lot of potential for it do you think that's uh, an expansion plan for social where social snowball, where you start to offer like in it? Cause I think that there's so much meat on the bone for NFTs in terms of building that kind of exactly what you guys do is some sort of evangelism lever where you're, you're helping consumers, not only uh, or companies, not only acquire people, but also build on that LTV and then build a community aspect. But I get weirded out when people use them, in terms of like economic gain. I think that's the wrong, or in terms of like uh, what social snowball does. Like, I think that's the wrong way to think about it. But I think for you, it's really cool because it's almost the same thing as what you guys did for affiliate programs. 
and it's like an extension of an affiliate program. Is there any interest in that or kind of silly? That's a really good question. Honestly, there's, there is, I don't know if this would even be social snowball, but I definitely, my mind run, runs wild when I think of the use of NFTs in a loyalty program, which is definitely yeah. not social snowballs. We have, we're very customer acquisition and affiliate focused, but fair play, fair play. in the loyalty world, I mean, you know, what are loyalty points? If you make yeah. join a world, what are they? They're nothing. They don't, they, they aren't. What if they were something, you know, that's kind of where my brain goes. Like loyalty points yeah. can be a real thing. And you, and I could give you my loyalty points on open sea or whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah. I definitely see a way for loyalty programs to use them to create like a real asset behind what loyalty points now are. And I think that could, you know, that, that what, I, what my brain is thinking is maybe even like a pre MVP idea of what could really be done. But yep. yeah, so I definitely see it in the loyalty side of things. I don't know if that would be social snowball, maybe another project, but another. I, I could definitely see uh, some, some great use for that. I love it. Do you own any? Do you have any uh, apes oh my or punks anywhere? No, not, nothing cool. No. Like I, when, when the hype first began, I was like throwing a little bit of money here and there at like these yeah. absolute terrible projects. I, oh, haven't, no. had, I haven't had one <laughs> NFT, not at least negative 10x in value <laughs> not one not one and most of them i minted so i was like only losing a few hundred bucks there was one that i bought for like one or two thousand dollars like still nothing crazy but it yeah, completely yeah. like the value the floor disappeared so <laughs> how about you do you have do you have a good do you have like any doodles I, or anything no i never got into it man i missed the btc wave and then i missed the nft wave as well but i i never I, i'm with you i think it could be some interesting so like nfts in the sense of like i think like concert tickets could be pretty cool mm -hmm. where it's like i hate Ticketmaster so much i mm -hmm. i just have like in my capitalistic vein like i hate when markets get perverted and like Ticketmaster is like a perfect example of like concert tickets get inflated but they they inflate them by buying a bunch off the market and like hacking it and stuff like oh, that so yeah, it'd be yeah. cool to do like nft tickets where it's like you can't charge more than 3x the base price or something like yeah, that. Like yeah. you could pass the ticket around as many times as you want, but you can't put it because the ticket masters of the world will just buy up all these tickets and artificially inflate the price. And then the people that want to go to the concerts that are actually fans don't get to go. Yes, so, totally. so I think there could be some really cool implementations. I don't see the art vector just because I yeah. think art and culture or like culture and scarcity are kind of the two driving value vectors for art. Um, you can get the culture ish, but like the scarcity stuff, I just don't get. Cause for example, if you had the, the Noah Tucker NFT, and then you had an art show in London, in Paris, in Miami, but it was all at the same time. And you were showing the same NFT. It's like, what art shows better? Like by definition, it just breaks my brain in terms of like, that's why physical art is always going to be better because you can't by definition replicate it and yeah. so you can so that's why i never got the art vector but i think there's there's some really cool things there maybe i'm wrong but uh from what it seems it seems like the bottom's falling out a little bit um on the you don't see as many profile pics as you did a year ago put it that I, way <laughs> i think i agree with what you say on the art side i think like the the profile pic part of it is cool because it's like in a, it's very community and like obviously us as humans yes like, love being part of like that's why the loyalty thing gang. Yes. yes. Same with the loyalty. Same with the loyalty. Like it's the same that's why I think it's cool back there. Yeah. Yes. So like that when the art kind of like overlaps with the profile picture, like oh, I'm part of this like doodles community. Yes. Like I'm too cool for you. Yes. I have a mizuki. Like we can go to this event, but you can't. Like that is not going anywhere. I think that's like great. Yes. I don't know if that's going to always be an art form, but it's going to be like that whole like exclusive community. Yes. Yeah. But that's why I think the loyalty vector is really cool that you're talking about is because yeah. it is that and then you can show it on your because so we're doing the whaleys in September and we're actually going to have uh, pretty cool. I don't know if we're going to do NFTs proper. We might do NFTs. Proper. Uh, you got to. We got to. OK, we'll probably do NFTs and we're going to get them. There's this really cool. Anyways, I won't spill the beans, but yeah, we'll probably end up doing NFTs, but they will be based on like loyalty uh payouts not actually like people speculating on them because i think that's where it gets weird where it's like i want it to be more of what you're talking about and describing as like this this moniker of like i'm, I'm included in this community yeah. and look how cool i am kind of thing yeah, versus like, like i've been using oh, i'm super well. rich yeah exactly yeah, i've been using exactly. Well for a year and and like they can we have like 10 million dollars of revenue that you can see on yep. our dashboard so we get this yep. nft or something yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly so i think that's a really cool aspect of it but uh Soon to be seen. Uh, TikTok, overrated, underrated? Probably still under. Probably still. Yeah, okay. uh, 
it, it, maybe it's hitting a peak. I don't know. I don't know. I'm definitely not a TikTok expert. I've had some fun with TikTok just on like the the creator side of things. I've made some yep. some cool TikToks. Um, but uh, like as an advertiser, like my media buying days ended before TikTok took off. So I don't really. I know people are uh, like building entire businesses around the media buying in, in TikTok. So I think it's great. I, I mean, I know it's great. I'm just not like an expert myself. But I think I mean the platform itself is great. I mean, it's just a machine at capturing attention. It's absurd yep. how, how good of a job it does. Um, and it makes crazy, like the, the data that it has, like if I'm, if I'm like uh, doing long distance with my girlfriend, like it'll be sending me all these like couple things, but then if I'm with her, it'll start sending, and like we're not texting each other as much, it'll start showing me breakup TikToks as if like that's what it, it's assuming happens. So the amount of data points oh it must be collecting, God. and this is consistent, this is consistent. It, always, it never like misses with that. So like the amount of data it has to show you exactly <laughs> what you want to see on your for you page is too much to wrap our heads around. So they're definitely doing something right. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's amazing. There was a real funny story of like Target had some sort of, uh, I think it was Target and they were sending the the gal like uh, baby stuff before she even knew she was pregnant. So oh um, that is interesting. Yeah, that's How fascinating. That's great. Um, you kind of touched on this, but I, I wanted to ask you because I know you're a car guy. What's your favorite car? Tesla. The Tesla. plaid. The plaid. Oh yeah. The fancy one. The X, the S. What do you what do you drive? The S. I mean yeah. the S is what I had. In Miami, I, I had the S like 85 yeah. D. Um oh, and I, I fell in love with it. Guy. I fell in love with that car. Yeah. Um and wow. now now the plaid is the coolest version of that. So that's oh, I would gosh. say like my next dream car. It's so fast. It is ab- so have you been in it's one? Insane. Like the feeling of yeah. it pins you back. Oh my god. Oh dude, it's bananas. Yes. my old three, four jobs ago, geez, a while ago, uh, he had uh, a Range Rover supercharged and then uh, a Tesla 85P D, the super bad boy. And the, this weirdly enough, I enjoyed the supercharger better because it's almost like foreplay because I, right, right, this is instant, but it is so (laughs) like, it it breaks your brain. Like, it's just like, you literally like switch where it's just, and yes. you're right, it pins you back. And it was faster oh, yeah. than the range, 100% faster Oh my than God, range, yeah. But, I mean, I think the Plaid uh, is like the fastest car on the street. Like, I don't think, it's I don't think the Bugatti's yeah. touching that. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. But the instantaneous thing was really hard to wrap my head around because internal combustions, you just don't get that. Yes. Especially if it's turbocharged or supercharged because there's a little bit of, again, like that half a second of it has to kick in. But yes. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool feeling, super cool feeling. Uh, favorite meal and why? sushi um Ooh. if i had to go more specific I'm, i'd say like a salmon or like salmon belly tuna slash toro like nigiri simple like just really good quality nice. that's like my my i mean i, I want to say vice but it's not even like bad for me but it's just like yeah. it's my obsession yeah i'm a huge huge sushi guy oh i love it when you come out to austin we'll take you to there's a couple really nice spots out here we'll, we'll, we'll do a big that is a plan favorite podcast um uh startups for the rest of us by rob walling um that one strong is is amazing rob walling is a go like he's that podcast has given me so much direction with social snowball i listen to most of the episodes it's like 600 now and i listen every single tuesday a new one comes out um and i I never miss one like on that tuesday i will be listening to that at the gym um rob is the go i actually applied social snowball to tiny seed um like way way back when we were first launching and didn't get in but i got to talk to rob and and the rest of the team and I and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, but how awesome! Yeah, that's that's like a great podcast for especially like me. Like I was not, I don't have a lot of experience with startups, and I really wanted to do things right with Social Snowball and yep. his whole mentality of like venture versus bootstrapping and and like some in between like area that a lot of people don't talk about. That's like a very great way to build a startup. I I see very aligned with the way he thinks of things. Oh, I love that man! Great pick, great pick. Favorite place to travel to and why? Um, so Bali, but not specifically Bali, the small island off of Bali called Gili Air. The, um, okay. It's just, far. it's stunning. I mean, it's just like, you have to take a two hour boat ride from Bali to get there and it's just completely remote. There's no cars or anything, gasoline whatsoever on the island. There's just solar panels that power the whole thing. You could walk the perimeter in like 45 minutes. It's all just like, just the most beautiful views ever. Like the most beautiful water, very happy people just a place that doesn't like there's like ponies carrying you around it's just a place that didn't feel real we only spent like two days there because like 
you need like it was just a little too not civilized um, yeah but those two days are two days i'll never forget i have the coordinates of it engraved into my custom cuff shout out Teo and Simone from custom cuff great DC look at band. that how cool <laughs> that's dope dude wow what's so what was the island called again so it's off of bali yeah it's called gilly air so there's like gilly, gilly islands air. which are like a yep. chain of three islands um got in between bali and i'm pretty sure lombok um and this there's like gilly something gilly tea something it's like the biggest one there's like hostels and roads it's a little more civilized and there's yep. gilly air and then there's even a smaller one i'm pretty sure that i don't even know what it's called but there's these three gilly islands between them is probably like a t- five minute ferry right like they're all like next to each other um, yeah, yeah, yeah damn just beautiful breathtaking every second of it was amazing how amazing so so cultured you are now how'd you get there where is it because that's far how do you get to bali yeah yeah no that's far was did you go you didn't go direct did you go through oh yeah you're already um, on that side of the world i've I've actually been to bali twice i think both times i oh no once i had a labor in south korea okay um, and the other time some some maybe i'll I don't even remember. Oh, I think, yeah, Sydney. I went to Sydney before I went to Sydney. That's what I was going to ask Australia. Yeah. 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 So you came straight from the States, though, to North Korea and then down? South Korea. Might have been a little South Korea. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I actually got trapped at, like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even board when I got to South Korea. They wouldn't let me board because my passport was expiring within six months. Um, But I'm also a dual dual citizen of Brazil. So I had a Brazilian passport, but I left that passport and back at home. So I got my friend, while I was stuck in South Korea, literally the airline's full fault for not telling me this and letting me board. Like they should not have let me board and just be trapped in South Korea. Um, But I was in South Korea. I FaceTimed my friend Trevor. I told him the situation. Within two hours, he was on a flight to South Korea. I I paid for his entire Bali trip. He came with us. He brought my passport. My parents met him at the airport, gave him an envelope with my passport. He flew to South Korea like two hours after I FaceTimed him. We stayed in South Korea that night, met him at the airport at like five in the morning, and then we all went to Bali like right after that. What? <laughs> that is a story of stories. That's incredible. How do you have a dual citizenship? My mom's from Brazil. I did not know yeah. that. How cool. Yeah, yeah. Noah, you have so many wrinkles to you. <laughs> okay, last question. We'll get through the rapid fire. Uh, you can invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, fictional or non-fictional. Who would they be? So you're sitting at a four-person table. You're at the head. You get to invite three people. Who who's getting the ticket? Elon Musk for sure. Okay. I have a lot of have a lot of questions for him. Honestly, that's like the only name that jumps into my head. I could probably really think of other ones, but I would probably want to not even hear the other people talk, just so I could really pick Elon Musk brain. <laughs> like if I could have three Elons, that'd be you great. want three Elons. <laughs> I've never heard that answer. We'll take it. It's your rapid fire. Perfect. Dude, Noah, you made it through. You made it through rapid fire. All the segments. You're the best. That Brazil trip. That's a really trippy. Uh, that's incredible, dude. I'm oh, so yeah. glad we got that out of you. That's that's a nuts. You have so you're so young and you've lived so much. It's incredible. <laughs> it's not. What is it? It's not the the years that you lived, but the life and the years. You're you're on top of it. Um, tell people how they can get more involved with you. How can they sign up for Social Snowball? This time is yours, my friend. Yeah, just hit me up on Twitter. Noah Tuck spelled N O A T U C K. Um, and then social snowball, I mean, just search it on Google, search in the Shopify app store. You could sign up, book a demo. Um, will definitely help you make a lot more money than your other referral programs are. I love it, dude. Thanks so much, man. Enjoy London. I really Thank appreciate you. you taking the time. Absolutely. And my pleasure. Yeah. What a fun pod. I love it. <laughs> if you do want to get more involved with triple whale, we are try We are also on the bird app at triple whale. And then we have a fantastic newsletter that goes out every Tuesday, Thursday called whale mail. You can subscribe right on our Twitter profile at triple whale. Noah, thanks so much, man. Enjoy your European adventures. If you run into Tommy, come and get back here. We miss them. <laughs> And uh, thanks so much, man. Have a have a safe time in Europe, and uh, I'm excited. Hit me up when you get back in the states, and we'll we'll connect again. Absolutely, thank you, Rava. We'll see you on the flip. Bye.